Well, good morning. It's great to be back standing behind the pulpit with you this morning. And uh, the last time I was able to come and share was I just got back from Africa, and it was Easter. And then right after that, right after Easter service, Monday morning, I went and had surgery, and everything's good. They took my staples out this week, and so I still wear my girdle. If y'all want to know, I just... And uh, if, you, if a little feminine side comes out of me, I'm sorry. But anyway, just, but uh, I'm wound tight, so you don't know. I, I promise I'll try not to bust the gut this morning. But before we do anything, before I preach or what I share, I just really encourage you this week to be praying for the people in Boston and all the things that have gone on there and also in West Texas, West Texas, there with the, that tragedy that's taking place. And, and also, I want to pray for Logan He's one of our young men here that uh, is actually being deployed to Afghanistan right now as we go. He's in a jet en route from Virginia to Afghanistan. And so we, we just want to, can, I just take, can we just take a moment and ask God to put his hand around Logan this morning? Father, we thank you for that we can come to you even through all these tragedies in Boston and West Texas. And we pray that you would send the right people God, to minister your grace, your forgiveness, your freedom in people's hearts. People that have experienced tragedies and things. Lord, we know that the only thing that will help them is you. And so, Father, we pray you would send people there. And we pray for Logan this morning. I pray that, God, that your angels would camp around him. No matter what he faces, no matter what he deals with. As being a Marine this morning, we know he'll be on the front lines. And we pray that, God, that your hand... Your hand of grace. Your hand of protection. We pray Psalms 91 over him, Lord. And we pray that you would be with him and watch over him, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you ever get a chance, go to Psalm 91. There was a troop in World War I. They don't know the story, but it was called Troop 91. And they quoted Psalm 91. And at the end of the war, they were the only troop that didn't lose one soldier. And so I'd encourage you to go and look at Psalms 91. And so this morning, I'm so glad to be here this morning. I'm, we're on our third part. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Josh preaching last week? He did a phenomenal job. I wasn't here for Zach, but I heard reports and I heard it was really good. And I know this morning, what I want to do is I want to lay down what it is. You know, many times I want to lay down the right to be offended. How many of you have ever been offended in this house this morning? Jesus said offenses will come. It's whether or not we build a fence between that relationship when we're offended or not. And so this morning, we, it has the name of our series called Alter Ego. And if you know anything about an altar, it's laying down something, giving something up. It's a sacrifice. And our ego is what we believe about ourselves. How many of you remember when you were young, your older people, when you were in high school, you had an ego. You had a reputation to live up to. The people said something, that's the way you were. You tried to act that way. You tried to fit in that, 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 that thing, whatever you put yourself in or that pressure, what people thought you were. You see, it's, it, in this series, we're going to learn to lay down our ego on the altar of God. And see, I believe that we're going to lay down who we think we are and see who God says we really are. And so last week, you know, Pastor Josh did a thing about control I mean, we still, you, you enjoyed that, but you still feel like you're still a little bit of a control freak. We're praying for you. And, uh, you know, and it's like, I just told him after the end of the service, I said, Pastor Josh, that was the best I've ever heard you preach. That was awesome, man of God. I mean, I was just like, 
I mean, I can't wait to go listen to it. And we found, I found out we had an audio problem and they, something happened. It didn't turn out with the tape. And I was like, dang. He told me, I said, man. And, and he said, it was just a problem. So y'all pray for our sound people. Amen. We won't point their names out or who did it or anything like that. We believe in the grace of God this morning. And you never know anything's wrong with the sound or something goes wrong with the lights or the sound. That's the only time you ever look in the back. Isn't it true? But those people are ministering just like I am this morning. How many enjoyed the worship this morning? You know, this, this morning and next week I'm going to be talking about longing for approval. So you can kind of get ready. How many you want love to be approved? But see, this morning, many, for many years, I can just say there were some things that I've been easily offended at. And sometimes when I look at it, they're just really meaningless things. And, but they're insignificant things. And maybe some of you can, can relate to what I've been offended at. You know, one of the things that I, you know, when I lived in Lafayette, I, I really dealt with it. And, it was, and when I came to Jennings, I dealt with it in a different way. I mean, I mean, I get really wound up when I'm driving and I'm offended by other drivers sometimes. How I many you know what I'm talking about? Okay? And, and, you know, and it's like traffic. You know, when you live in Lafayette, I mean, the other day, it was like I was, I was going through Lafayette to get my staples out. And it was like, what the heck is wrong with it? I mean, a stoop, like a long line. And I'm going, who is up there doing, not moving, not doing something? What, what is going on? You know what I'm talking about? You ever talk to yourself when you're driving? Y'all pray for your pastor anyway. And, you know, you kind of, you know, and it's like, you know, sometimes you want to be kind and you kind of let someone go in front of you. I mean, you kind of, you go. And there's only two things I require if I let you go in front of me. is number one is get it done quickly. And a nice gesture, a nod or a wave will do. If you don't do that, I may take your license plate down. But don't look, don't get in front of me and get me caught in behind a red light. I'll take your license plate and call you in. I mean, in Lafayette, it's like that. But when I moved to Jennings, everybody's slow. So I had like, I mean, God was dealing with me. All these people are trying to hurt me. And then here, no one's in a hurry to get anywhere. You know, it's like, it's crazy how easily we allow ourselves to become offended. You know, maybe you do something or somebody and you don't actually acknowledge, you know, what, you, you know, what you've been offended by. But, the, you know, and it's like, you pastor, I mean, what's wrong with you? You know, you can polish your halo. The rest of us, I know all the rest of the real people, you will listen to what I have to share this morning. Well, I ain't got no problem. Just take that halo down and polish it. See, why is it that we are so easily offended? I think one of the main reasons is because we're living out of our egos. You see, our insecure egos want to be right. We want to win. Not only do we want to be right and win, but for us to be right, someone else has to be wrong. And someone else has to lose. For us to win, someone has to lose. You see, some of us are constantly looking to be offended. How many are talking about? You know, maybe you find things wrong with people or situations wherever you go. I mean, my wife, she, like, I'll be honest, when I used to go to McDonald's, I don't go there very often anymore. When I go to McDonald's, and if they don't give me hot fries... Or a cold hamburger? 
My wife would look at me and all my kids, no, Dad. No, Dad. No. I'm thinking, no, man, I bought this. They, they, these things need to be hot, and if they half full, I want it full to the brim. And how many times I would go back, and my, oh, my family's kind of going, oh, God, Dad. But I've watched them do that now. Anyway, just, you get so offended. Some of you may be offended this morning because what Bible version that I may read out of. I've been to some churches where they have the only kind of version they're going to allow you to bring there, and the rest of you have used any other version, you're going to hell. I swear. Some of you get offended of what church you go to or what person, what, other, what church they go to. See, people might be offended of the church that you come to. Some people are offended because I wore blue jeans this morning. Some people are offended because I've got a good-looking wife. And I do. Some people just get offended. I remember being with this guy one time. He used to come here. He doesn't anymore. Because what I'm fixing to tell you. And, and he would have this problem where he was always offended at, at, at women. And he started hanging around with all these disgruntled, divorced men. That had problems with women. And I told him one time, I said, bro, all them women. No, it's not the women. It's the guys you're hanging with. And he, because he was hanging around disgruntled, divorced men, are, are you hearing me? He took on that thing, their offense. You know, there are people that get together sometimes because they're just offended at the same thing, so they make their own little offense group. Come on. And there's some people that start churches because they were offended at that other church. And they go and they make that. You know, Jennings has more churches per capita per person anywhere in the United States at one time. Because someone got offended and they started their own offended group. And that offended group started, they did a split. And they went from the split to the sliver to the hair to the whatever. Because I believe this, the way you start something is the way you're going to end up, it's going to, End up working out down the road. Hello. See, I believe this is that, you know, it's that we sit around and we have people that just sit around and talk how offended they are together. Our egos are offended. We're fully convinced that our ego, we know what's best for us. How many of you know what you feel like you know what's best for you? I mean, no one's going to raise their hands now. I can see it now. You know, we get offended so easily because it's all about us. It's all about us. You see, here's a good scripture to remember. Proverbs 19.11 said, A man's wisdom gives him patience. How many need patience? But listen, it, says, it is to his glory to overlook an offense. What does it mean? Our world is quick to judge, quick to call out, quick to, you know, that's a foul, quick to be offended, but very slow to overlook something that you're offended by. To overlook something means pretending that you never happened. How many of you, that's hard sometimes. 
You see, when you look at that word offense, the Hebrew word is, you know, when it talks about overlook, it means that you pass over. We make a consensus decision. I'm just going to let it go. Okay, let's get real. Look at me this morning. How many of you have ever been defended in your marriage? See, it's bad when the other one's not right, wait, raising their hand and you're sitting next to them because they're probably offended that you raise their hand. How many of you have ever been offended by your children? How many of you are just offended all the time? You see, what he's saying is passing over an offense is what I would like to call, this is what I like to call it, gaining spiritual altitude. I mean, you just, you ever, you ever get offended at somebody? And you, I mean, I've, I've flown over someone that offended me t- one time, and I was in the plane, and how high they were, and I was like, man, that's small. They look real small right now instead of being right up on my face. But the further you go, the smaller it gets. And the same with us is we need to have spiritual altitude when we look at things that people say, people things that people do. Look, being a pastor, sometimes there are people being offended by the silliest things. And then I, I get back and I go, what? But it's part of my job. I'm going to offend you this morning. I promise. Hang around me long enough. You will get offended sooner or later. Come on. Thank you. You will. Why? I'll get offended at you. That ever happened? Absolutely. See, passing over is what I like to call spiritual, is gaining spiritual, meaning I would stay down here and mope and complain. Come on. But as Proverbs says, it is to my glory that I overlook an offense. So I overlook it. You and I have much more important things to do rather than just being weighed down by offenses. I love what Romans 12.3 says. It says, for by the grace given to me. Listen to me. It was written by the Apostle Paul, this Romans. And if you know anything about the Bible, was Paul given grace by God? I mean, if you don't know anything about Paul, this guy that wrote this actually was taking Christians and pulling them out of their houses, out of their out of their 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 studies or their fellowship or their prayer groups and put him in the streets. He stood by and watched young Stephen being stoned, not smoking dope, but stoned with a rock. He saw that and it was to his approval. And he said, and here's Paul. He said, for the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, has God given you grace? Has God given you grace? And this is what he says. Do not think, or do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. But, rather think of yourself with a sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given to you. Don't let it go. Don't let it be about your ego. He's saying, you know what? Here are three points 
of application that I want to give you this morning in this message. Here's the, here they are. Number one is this. Because of God's grace to me, I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. Because of God's grace to me. Because I've been forgiven of much, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think the best about others. How many of you know sometimes that's hard? Especially if you've been offended. But look what Ephesians says. Ephesians 2, 4, 2 says, Always be humble and gentle. So it's not about you. It's not about you. He said, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance. Boy, I like that word. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Now think about this. Here's a statement I want to give you. We often judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Don't we? Oh, look what they did. <laughs> Can I just be honest with you? When someone, especially, let me just say this. I've learned this. If you're around someone, they're always talking about one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing. They're offended by something in that one thing they're talking about. I've listened to preachers, famous preachers, and they start preaching about a certain thing, and all of a sudden the very thing they've been preaching against comes out in their own personal life. I'll tell you one. He was on the cover of Time magazine. He had a university in Baton Rouge. And he still preaches on TV and radio and everything else. And I I pray for him every time I hear him. But I remember at that, point, at that moment, he was just saying, he was driving at home, and the very thing he was accusing others of came out in his own life. And it scared me. And listen, God uses things in our lives sometimes when things happen to people as an example that, hey, I don't want to go there. It got real quiet on me. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. And see, we often do that. See, when someone is short with you, you sometimes... Maybe they're having a bad day. Maybe you don't know what happened when they left the house. You don't know what their kids are going through. You don't know if their kid's been in a hospital stay. You don't know, you know, what they, 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 they have their kid and just been raised in hell. You don't know what they're going through. And you meet them and they're going, hey, what's wrong? And they just. I was talking to someone, I'll be honest with you, I was talking to someone, my wife, I was doing some medical insurance stuff, and that's always fun, isn't it? And I was on the phone, and this one lady, I go, well, ma'am, you're, you're kind of being a little sharp with me. Are you okay? Everything's okay. And I said, well, I'm sorry if I've done anything. You haven't done anything. And by the end of the conversation, I end up praying with her, encourage her, and she said, and she said, I'm crying. You know, I could go, well, you needed to be. You offended me. No. <laughs> That's not what I meant, you know. I just thought about that. But anyway, just. But I've learned this. If you're patient, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not always patient. That's my wife. I'm not always patient. I'm the kind of guy, my dad would say, time, son. Listen, when you go somewhere, you're 10 minutes, you're there 10 minutes before. And then when you show up on time, on time, you're late. And so I have a hard time. When I make a meeting, can I just be honest with you? 
and someone doesn't show up on the time that we set, pray for me. I'm just letting you know. I'm like, what is wrong? Can't they just call? Can't they let me know? I mean, what is going? Hello? See, I know y'all praying for me. Polish your halo. Maybe they're in a bad mood because of their circumstances. Maybe you came this morning and you don't feel the joy of the Lord because of your circumstances. We had a tree fall on the line this week, and I had one of the tree guys, and I had, it was, a, it was, it was uh, two other guys and this one guy, and I am go out there and I'm talking to them, and they, went, and, and, they, and they go, you the preacher? I go, yeah. I said, you the preacher? He go, yeah. Then I'm the preacher. And he goes, and they go, oh, preacher. And then after a while, I'm talking to him. That boy right there, he don't believe in God. And the other two, you could tell they had a fear of God. Okay? They had a fear of God. You need to talk to him. So when I started talking to him and sharing with him, and I ended up giving him a book and talking to him about some things. And, and by the end, I and make a long story short, I end up, he goes, thanks, preacher. And I looked at him and said, I'm going to be praying for you. Pray God make you miserable till you find who he is. I do that all the time. People go, would you pray for me, preacher? And they don't know. Lord, I pray that you would just touch their lives and open their eyes. And Lord, make them miserable until they come to know you. Amen, Jesus. I remember Pastor Jacob praying for a guy one time. And he was on the street. And he goes, Lord, I pray that you would help this Drunk man in Jesus' name. And they go, shh, dude, why'd you tell the Lord I was drunk? <laughs> like he don't know. As followers of Jesus, I want to have thick skin and a soft heart. But often we have thin skin and a hard heart. You see, I don't want to be easily offended. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't you? Really. We want, a so- we want thick skin and we want a soft heart. Remember, th- remember this. I learned this in college. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Misery loves. What is it like? company so if they are miserable come on they their mission they might not say it outwardly but their mission in their life is to make your life miserable like theirs and sometimes i've had to look at people go i'm not going on your travel channel hello you see if you know someone is hurting it's much easier to have compassion on them if they're hurting It really is, rather than being offended by them. And sometimes, let me just give you a clue. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just say this. Hey, can I pray for you? Is everything okay? Can I pray for anything in your life? And then, you know what? Maybe they'll share something with you and just break your heart. And all of a sudden, you have a greater compassion, and you stop seeing them through the lens of just your limitations. 
then you begin to see, you begin to have a, a Jesus pacemaker. Your heart begin, your heartbeat begins to beat with the very heartbeat of Jesus, that he has compassion for them. How many of you want compassion? We all do. How many of you know that's where grace comes in? We don't get what we deserve. Aren't you glad you don't get what you're deserving right now? The second thing is, I want you to remember, is because of Christ's grace to me, I will not label other people. I'm not going to label other people. Can you imagine if God labeled us? Come on, can you imagine that? Imagine if God isolated certain events in our lives, our past, and labeled us based on that. Here comes Pastor Bubba. Here here comes liar, jerk, proud, arrogant. Come on. Thief. I'm so glad God doesn't name me by isolated events. But God does not do that. He forgives. He gives us another chance. He's the God of not just a second chance. He's the God of another chance. Aren't you glad for the other chance? Too often we label people prematurely over temporary moments that they had. It's true. I love what Luke says. Luke 6.36. It says, be merciful. Just as your father is merciful. Has God been merciful with you? This is Luke. This is the guy that followed Paul that writes this in the account. He was a doctor. And he's given this account. Be merciful just as the father, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be what? Forgiven. How many wants forgiveness? You better learn to forgive. Because of God, of the grace of of Jesus has given me, I'm not going to label others. Because of his grace. We're so quick to label people, and we begin to discount what God can do. How many of you have ever labeled someone? Come on, let's be honest. Numerous times. And sometimes when I've judged someone, you know, I say, oh, here comes this. And they have that certain look on their, oh, oh, here comes jerk. I can just see you got a little spirit of jerk on him. Just loves to jerk you around. You ever have that? I remember one time, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but he was an elder in a church, and I was new, and I went out to shake his hand and try to be nice to him and do all this stuff, and he was mean to me. And at that moment, I labeled him, that old grumpy, you know, bag of dirt. You old grump bag. See if I pray for you. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody here besides myself. And I remember just thinking, man. And every time I get around him, I go, here comes the jerky. Oh, Grandpa. Then one day, spent some time with him, found out he was a, a bomber in World War II, survived. 
was really a man of God, and he was under pressure because he was doing a barbecue, and he was trying to get all these things in order, and I allowed his little response to set me up to name him. And he became one of my good, dear, precious friends that just went to be with the Lord. But I'm so glad that I got it open. You know what I mean? That I became real and I began to see who he really was. We're so quick to judge and label us. We label our spouse. Oh, here she comes. Ah. You discount what God can make them be when you label your mate. Because I've known people that name her. I never call my wife mama. Come on, mama. And if you do, shame on you, sir. That's your wife. That ain't your mama. You left her. I don't, I, honestly, I can stand up here. I don't say bad things about my wife. Now, there's been times I've wanted to. I would have felt better, but it wouldn't help my situation. Are you hearing me? And it doesn't cloud her that she has to see herself in a certain way. I want her to be confident as she goes before God, how she feels, how she looks, and how she thinks. Hello. And so for us, even women, you know, they don't, you know, ah, here comes that old drunk again. That old mean sucker. If I had a baseball bat, I'd wrap them, you know. It's true. And we do have, there are guys that are just mean, but they've been hanging around other guys that are dysfunctional in their marriage. Come on. Especially guys that are offshore. I pray for you guys because you really need it. Because sometimes you're around guys that just don't care about marriage, don't care about children, don't care about anything but themselves. And you can be a light in the middle of a dark place. And you can say, you know, when they're bad-mouthing their wives and saying, hey, brother, that's what you got. You might have a Yugo. ha, 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 ha. But I got a Mercedes locked up in the garage, and I keep her polished. I ain't going there. Got quiet. Or we label our kids. You'll never. I remember when I was in school, and I got asked to leave a few schools in my lifetime. And I remember one time, one teacher looked at me and says, McCann, You'll never end up being anything but a ditch digger, boy. You'll never amount to anything. But you know what I found out one day? People put a label on you, but God never puts a label on anybody ever. Only people do. Because God looks and you go, when he redeems you, when he saves you, when you trust him, he goes, child, son, daughter, come on, prince, princess, and you can start walking like a son. You know, my son, Luke, he'll come up here. He'll sit up. He'll sit up. He acts like a son. I can be talking with someone real serious. He'll just, hey, Dad, he's a son. He acts like a son because that's who he is. God is not labeling you, so why are you labeling others? See, because of Christ's grace to me, the third thing is I forgive as I've been forgiven. See, I forgive as Christ has forgiven me. See, Colossians, I love this. this is make, make allowance for each other's faults. How many of you got some faults in here? How many of you got some junk in the trunk? Well, I don't want to know what it is, but you've had some sometimes. 
And he says this, he says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, listen, here's the key. Remember, remember, sometimes we forget. So why does he say remember? Remember, remember the Lord forgave who? You. And you must forgive others. It's easy to forgive small offenses, isn't it? Such as cutting off in traffic. I can get over that after a week. But anyway, just... Or name, name calling. The, that those are, what about the big offenses? You know, the little ones are easy. What if someone abused you? Took advantage of you? Someone you love? Someone cheats on you? Betrayal? Someone looks at porn? Those are the big ones, aren't they? We begin to feel justified. The defense cuts so deep because we get so wounded. Do you really have to forgive those who have done such tragic things to us? Jesus said this. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6. Remember Matt's given an account because he was an accountant. He was a CPA. He was a tax gatherer. And aren't you, how many of you had to forgive the IRS this year? What they took from, anyway, just, I'm still asking for forgiveness for them. But Matthew 6, 14 through 15, it says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father, look what it says. What? Will not. What? Does it really say that? Your father will not forgive what? Your sins. Here's the thing. This, can I just say this? This is an incredible, sober text. If you don't forgive others, your father will not forgive you. This verse haunts me like no other verse in the Bible. It really does. It's, it's, like, it's like no other verse. If you can't forgive, God can't forgive you. I'll just say this, and I've grown a lot in this area, but when Chase and I used to fight, used to, and our fights aren't horrible, okay? We've never, we don't throw things at each other. or We've thought about it probably. But I know that sometimes when she didn't even know what she did or what she said, or what, and it, it kind of get to me, and I would play the quiet game. How many of you experts at the quiet game? How many of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about the quiet game? And we look so pious. I'm not going to sin like she sinned against me. Wasn't anything she did. It was me. Hello. And she would like, and all of a sudden I have this pattern. After I get sick and tired of being sick and tired of myself being offended, and I want to get lovely on her, she, she just kind of like, what was that all about? Oh, you want to snuggle up and play? Play. 
what, what did I do? And I began to realize there's a pattern in my life. Then I began to see there was a pattern when I grew up. And there was a certain individual in my family, when they got hurt, they would just cut people off. Hello? And so I learned this pattern in my life. Hello? It was, I think it was a sin, a, a generational curse passed down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's just a generational thing that I saw. How many of you got some generational devils in your family that you got to overcome? And then I've had to learn to talk those things through, share with her, share about when I'm, because I thought if I share with you how I was offended at that, that you would get mad and get offended with me and you cut me off and this and that and blah, blah, blah. You know what I'm saying? But all she wanted was the truth. So she could go, I can work on that. Or that was silly. I didn't even mean it, but I meant it. That was somebody, that was, you know, and sometimes when you get to the bottom of it, it wasn't even, they weren't even directing it toward you. Okay, y'all pray for me and polish your halo. He says this. We're to, you know, here, here it is. How do you forgive abuse? How do you forgive betrayal? How do you forgive something that seemed unforgivable? Let me show you how. Is that okay if I show you how? Ephesians, and it's the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. This is what it says. Look what it says. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ, God, forgave you. So we're to forgive just as we've forgiven. That's how you forgive. Let me say it again. We are to forgive just like you've been forgiven. That's how you forgive. Just like you've been forgiven. Aren't you glad God doesn't look over and you go, you, you, you. See, let me just tell you what keeps you from having access in a relationship with God. Is when you hold on to something so tight you can't let it go. That's, a, that's really what a spirit of poverty is. A poverty in relationship, a poverty in everything you do. Because that cloud of sin, see, God wants communication. God's always trying to get to us. But that cloud of sin, whatever it is, that offense, keeps us from having relationship. It cuts off that stream, that flow. And when we get rid of those offenses and we get real, and sometimes, and I believe this, it's not just a process, but I'm talking about in real time. Where you can do it, go, hey, man. Because sometimes we go, well, I got this long process. And I understand for some people it is a process. I'm not going there. But I believe this, that you can forgive people in real time. Are you in the right church this morning? Is this the right message for you? With Christ, I have the ability. With Christ, I have the ability to forgive in real time. Whereas, Whereas it used to take a process. I remember being offended at someone and God dealt with me and dealt with me and dealt with me and dealt with me. I'd go to pray and God would speak to me. And I was holding offense against someone for something that happened years and years and years before. And I remember going to that person finally and going to ask them to forgive me. 
And I never forget the freedom God gave me that day. That thing, that offense wasn't controlling me anymore. Giving, allowing my mind to go these places. And really, because of that moment, since then, my relationship with that person has gotten better than it's ever been. Because I, I came to the point where I, I had to get real to go on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And it gave them the ability to go, I, I didn't know it was to that extent. I didn't know what I, some of these things that had taken place that I did. But you know what I mean? I mean, it just, I remember. See, with Christ, I have the ability to forgive. You have the ability to forgive. It's for God's glory that you pass over an offense. And see, in the Old Testament, people were, were, were forgiven when they would go make a sacrifice of an animal, a shed animal, like a lamb. And what they would do is they take that, during Passover, they would go and they'd take that lamb's blood and they'd get a sponge and they would put it on the, on the sides of their, of their houses. And, you know, and if you, put in, if you did that right, it would literally make the sign of a cross because of the way the blood would drip. It was a sign for things to come. And I know this is that that what it has symbolizing the cross, the angel of death would pass over you. But see, in the New Testament, because of Christ's death and resurrection, Christ now passes over our sins and forgives us. Aren't you glad for that? I don't have to take an animal. I don't have to do any of those things. I could come to him and, and he can wash me with his blood. And remember this hurt people, hurt people. But don't miss this. Forgiven people. Forgive people. Forgiven people. Forgive. When you understand that you've been forgiven, you lay down your right to be offended because of what Christ has done. He passed over our faults and our offenses so that we can be forgiven. Doesn't mean... It's going to be easy. Hello. But it's going to be right. The more you experience the grace of God, the more able you're able to forgive people in real time.